Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week, updates, 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 surveys, 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 stories, stories, stories. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Matthew Stubblefield. Hi, Matthew. Good to see you, Ryan. Good to see you as well. Brenda Burl could not make it today. So, Matthew, let's start with a mystery. It's the mystery of Jira 8.5.1, coming to a theater this- near you. <laughs> this uh, version of Jira was released on 6th of November, 2019, but we don't know why. Hmm. They're pleased to announce uh, the release of it, but uh, so uh, sure. Yes. Uh, but when you scroll down and you look at the issues resolved in eight, five, one, there are none. Yeah. Um, the note, my guess is <laughs> we, we're, we're not actually detectives. We did not dig real hard. We opened up the link and looked at it. Um, my guess is that the Jira software release is probably tied to other things. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are some other releases happening around the same time. So my guess is that's, that's probably it. Uh, it actually but, does say uh, that the bug fix contains fixes for Jira service desk. It's a little bit like that lost colony on the East Coast of America back in the day. It's like Krakatoa, sure. you know? Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. that's, that's all we get. Fixes for Jira Service Desk, but no link. So, can you help us solve the mystery? <laughs> JSD has 4.5.1 out, also released 6 November. A uh, couple of security fixes. Uh, mm. So, we will, uh, we're not going to waste your time with a link to the, <laughs> the Jira release notes that uh, say no issues resolved. We will include these, uh, the Jira Service Desk one, though. Uh, so you can see the summary of these bug fixes and decide whether or not uh, you want to patch that application. Ah, well, they could have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you dang kids. <laughs> All right. While we're on the update train, there's a, been a pretty big transformation to the Atlassian cloud page. And by transformation, I mean the addition of lozenges. So now they're organizing the page a little bit differently. You're able to see what changes are rolling out consistently across the platform. And then there's a little green lozenge that says new this week. That used to be a star. Now it's a lozenge. Before you know it, it'll be um, an emoji. Probably not. It, it looks to me like this is going to reduce their effort a little bit on this page, the maintenance effort. It was a little messy before. Uh, when we're tabbing back and forth between multiple pages, they're they're pretty much identical now because um, they post this every week. Uh, but if we look at the most recent week, we do see some new things. Yeah, including uh, the first one that really grabs my eye is the portfolio for Jira plan macro. Now you're able to, in the cloud, share portfolio plans on Confluence pages. It's a great way to share information about the immediate future for teams that are interested or individuals that are interested. Also of interest is the maintenance that they've completed on the request and approvals page. So uh, the customer portal is going to have some cosmetic refreshes. Yeah, it's also interesting to note. So, you know, Ryan mentioned we've got this rolling out laws and new this week. So there's one thing that we report on at least two podcasts ago, I think. Uh, the ability to uh, use a, com- a confluence macro for portfolio mm-hmm. and embed your your plan in there. Uh 
And yet this page says it's new this week. To cloud. And it's really not. Maybe it to came cloud. to data center first this time. Maybe. Uh, maybe we're just misremembering from weeks ago. Oh, it's, um, I've slept since then. Anyway, it's coming out. Uh, that's cool. So in the future, uh, we'll just focus on whatever is tagged new this week. And uh, thanks, Alaskan, for uh, decreasing the noise here. I think this is a really nice uh, update to your cloud update blog. They call it a blog. It's not really. It's more like. It's, more like it's a, not quite release notes. It's not quite I'm really sure what it is. It's a new thing. It's a log. It's like a soup. Yeah. Mm. It's just a soup of changes. And with the winter coming on, soup is just lovely. So continuing our cloud conversation, I'm going to link to an article on the Atlassian community. I guess not an article, a discussion, a post on the Atlassian community about better navigation for Jira Cloud that's coming. This was shared October 31st by Matt Say. And uh, some new navigation coming at Jira and Confluence looking more and more similar. Uh, so far, 28 comments on the page. As we've noted in the past, uh, these, these community posts often engender a lot of good conversation. A uh, bit of a GIF. It's, it's not the most thrilling GIF. It's, it's a little stilted, but, you know, that's all right. We, you know, it's a good effort. I mean, I'll still good take effort. it. Um, so, yeah, take a look at this improved navigation. I think, um, you know, the, the more I work with cloud, the more I like it. I got to say, as a, a bit of a bitter vet of uh, Jira of old, um, been using it a long time. Cloud continues to make things nice. Uh, so uh, check that out. And one last thing to mention on cloud, this at a totally different uh, target demographic, uh, developers of cloud apps. If you did not see this on developer.atlassian.com, October 23rd, the cloud security program, take a, a look at the link in the SoundCloud program. Uh, Atlassian has shared a security self-assessment, 13 security questions that... Uh, you need to be able to answer and you need to be able to pass um, these as part of your cloud app. Uh, the steps for applying to the cloud security program, uh, making changes, some additional resources. So if you are a cloud app developer uh, and you haven't already taken a look at the cloud security program or engaged with that, uh, take a look at this. You know, Atlassian's over, Atlassian is, in their words, revamping this program. Uh, and uh, much like the survey we're going to talk about later in this episode, they have a survey where you can uh, answer that to influence the direction of the program. Yeah, definitely let them hear your voice. Another place that uh, Atlassian is revamping is over on Confluence. So Confluence 7.1 came out on 4 November with some really nice new macros. These are macros that will, if you spend a lot of time in Confluence, the macros that they are adding are just going to make your life a little easier. Great way to display some information about pages um, and spaces. Also of note is the new dialog box that's going to pop up when you copy a page. Because now, mm -hmm. wisely, you can ignore attachments. Hallelujah. Yeah. This, is, this is huge. I've, I've definitely had things in the past where I've created a page kind of as a template. I didn't want to create it as a space template. I, it was a page I wanted to copy uh, and then edit the, the data. And I've definitely been in that situation before where I forget it has attachments on it. <laughs> They're not linked. Yep. Uh, so I don't see them. And now I've copied these three or four attachments 30 times and I want to go back and delete them because they're taking up disk space. It's such a pain. Oh, um, Yeah. Check the box. Other really nice change with this page. Uh, going with Atlassian's changes to their update pages. Little lozenges that indicate for server and data center. So one, 
I'm just excited to see improvements for server at all. Yeah. Uh, but two, uh, again, a really nice way to communicate which platforms uh, these updates apply to. Well, and one of the other updates really speaks to this and that they're bringing back extended support for edit in office because they recognize that there are mm-hmm. some organizations that just can't use the companion app. Right, because the companion app is cloud-based, and there's some organization just can't do it. So they're bringing back that extended yeah. support for edit in Office, which I gotta say I despise. I'm not an Office guy. <laughs> I PowerPoint is the devil, is the mm-hmm. like the but but the real bad version of the devil. You know, the scariest one you can think of. Right. That's sure. PowerPoint in my mind. So, but people need it. So that you can bring that back in, even if your organization is cut off, is a pretty nice touch. Also interesting here is that when Edit in Office is enabled, WebDAV integrations are restored. And as we reported, I don't know, months ago now, WebDAV's deprecated in Confluence. It is sort of an interesting, like, I, I can just imagine the product managers and, like, the people on these teams who are kind of pulling their hair out of, like, oh, my God, WebDAV is such a nightmare. Nobody uses it. Get rid of it. Oh, shit, WebDAV is required for this Edit in Office thing, which everybody uses. It's uh, a dependency. Yeah. Uh, we've got to uh, maintain this nightmare. Oh, it hurts. Uh, our sympathies <laughs> to but, you all. But, but thank also you. a bit of appreciation because while PowerPoint is the devil, uh, I, I have definitely had a lot of scenarios where it's really nice to pop things over to Word or Excel. Uh, so it's nice to, uh, to see this supported uh, longer term. And the good hits just keep on coming. Uh, this week's Bitbucket Server 6.8 release from uh, 6th of November, I think is really exciting for two reasons. Uh, so one, seamlessly integrate with Jenkins. That's the uh, somewhat understated heading that we have here. Uh, notably, both Bitbucket Server and Data Center. So always nice to see the server updates. But Bitbucket Server integration for Jenkins, setting up your continuous integration workflow, making that easy. Uh, now, uh, for our viewers at home, you know, uh, if you're using Bitbucket, there's a good number of you using Jenkins. I feel like it's always been one of the, like, not secret secrets. Like, no, Jenkins, a lot of parody with Bamboo, mm-hmm. right? So there's Atlassian Bamboo, and then there's Jenkins, which is open source and free. And so, you know, why pay money uh, when you can just use that? It's a little thing that we don't talk about much in the Atlassian space, but we know we a lot of people use Jenkins. And I never thought to see just native, really straightforward uh, integration compatibility with Jenkins from Atlassian, because obviously Jenkins is a competitor. Uh, this, uh, so one, exciting to see that. Two, I feel like, I don't know, on a, on a not a philosophical level, but like a, you know, um, just the putting the customer first. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got to say, I, there, there have been a few years now when I've had growing skepticism that Atlassian's priority is putting the customer first. Uh, since the IPO, like, there have been a few things where I've been like, ooh, ooh I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Um, but there have been a number of things in the, the last year that's, that's restoring my faith a little bit. And this type of move that just sort of recognizes, hey, a lot of our folks are using Jenkins. Let's make their lives easier. Yep. I love it. Love it. Big this step. is really nice. Um, all that said, as a bit of an aside, uh, pipelines and Bitbucket in the cloud thing of beauty. Um, I'm seeing more and more people switching away from Bitbucket server to start using Bitbucket cloud just because of pipelines. Really? Um, so 
Yeah, pipelines are super cool and make things so much easier. So uh, native integration with Jenkins, cool. Uh, if you haven't looked at Bitbucket Cloud, might take a look because uh, pipelines is neat. Uh, also some improvements to, uh, or not just improvements, but uh, CDN support for data center, uh, which is great. Uh, improved Git hosting performance uh, with Delta Islands. So that's that's nice. I don't know. I'm I'm just blown away by Jenkins, both mostly because of just like the the shift it means for for Atlassian. I I just think that's cool. Yeah, we'll link you to it and uh, and kudos uh, to yeah. the Bucket team. And last but never least on uh, the release train. Uh, I don't know if they're doing scaled agile framework or actually doing a release train, but uh, in the choo choo hype release train, portfolio three dot one four three dot fourteen. We have had a portfolio update every podcast for a while they were on they're on a roll um, like bitbucket was for a while yeah yeah bitbucket only missed one podcast though uh so true dang um, yeah but portfolio is uh you know it's very iterative they're small uh releases but that's great so filtering by issue sources eh, that's nice that's yeah. nice um but the big one for me uh cross project releases so this is like one of the main reasons to use portfolio uh, in native Jira, you can't have a release that crosses projects. So a release is tied to a project. Portfolio lets you have cross-project releases, but it still had to be associated with a release in a project, which was kind of frustrating, uh, especially because a lot of portfolio, you can kind of have floating on top of Jira. Uh, you, know, you can have stories that aren't associated with Jira issues, epics that are their own thing. At long last, you can have a cross-project release that is not associated with a project. Uh, which is freaking sweet. Um, this is this is just something people have been asking about for a while. Now you can create a, a release without actually having it stored in a Jira project. Matthew, this this release note page is just dying for some gifts. Just screaming for it. I yeah, just want man. to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got a, a portfolio instance up uh, so that uh, I can be playing with this um, portfolio team. You're making it, uh, making it, uh, keeping our training up to date a bit challenging with all these uh, knocking out of the park quick releases, but uh, we love it. Keep it coming. Matthew, you know what that last update we just talked about rem- makes me think of? What's that, Ryan? It's, it's just how important information is and how nicely you can collect information from the people who interact with your products. And what better way to get that than through a survey? You know, Ryan... Since you've mentioned a survey, it so conveniently dovetails to the next thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which is a, a survey we did recently on our documentation. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how helpful it is to find out things by asking people those things. You, gotta, and you can ask them and they will tell you. You'll just never know until you ask. <laughs> so we're joined today by Justin Kingery, technical writer on our team. Uh, who has a lot of experience creating surveys and uh, actually was the guy who came up with the idea for an annual documentation survey. Justin, why uh, why did you think it was important for us to do this? Well, can you say hello first? Yeah, let mm. me say hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast. I am interested in surveys. Uh, studied a little bit in you know university. Uh, certainly understand the importance of getting feedback from customers. Uh, as Matthew mentioned, we're trying to do an annual doc survey and, uh, sort of, I, I was hired just a year ago as the first, uh, documentation writer. So this is still a pretty fresh group, uh, mm-hmm. for adaptivist apps. 
super happy to um, be with the company. And the great thing about it is a lot of the apps already had some documentation um, that was written, you know, sort of all along uh, or in the past by the developers, by the PMs, uh, uh, by the good folks on the team. But they really didn't have time to invest to make it great documentation. So that's kind of where we come in and the docs group. And um, our, uh, we, we've only been around for about a year and we've kind of been spending a lot of time getting kind of things in order and figuring out what we want to do and what we want the docs to look like in the future. And sort of where the, uh, the surveys come in is we get some feedback from customers. And it's super important because um, we want to get a baseline of feedback about Adaptive app documentation prior to many of the pending changes that we're trying to make. So I felt like there were essentially two goals with the uh, survey. The first is to understand how customers feel about our documentation right now. This is kind of at the beginning of the uh, dot group's inception. And the second is to gather details to direct our traje trajectory and our goals for the coming year. And it's just for one year. We want to kind of go back and check the pulse on sort of our successes and failures uh, every 12 months or so, just to make sure that we're on the right track. And as apps change, as our team changes, as processes change, we want to make sure that we're uh, sort of headed in the right direction and sort of talking to customers is the best way to do that. So what's funny, Justin, is that I actually know that some of our listeners are uh – some of our important clients who've actually pushed for an improvement in documentation. So, mm. Krish, my man, you guys need to hook up and, and say hello sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making sure that our documentation aligns with what our users are looking for is is really important because they're who it's written for. You know, it's it's for you all. It's not for the product manager. It's not for us internally. It's it's for you all. And uh, we didn't mention the survey on the podcast in advance. Uh, we will be having a retrospective why on the survey then? soon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know this is why we do retrospectives so we can continuously improve. We will that we'll do that next year. Um, but one thing we also did with the survey, uh, it's totally anonymous. And uh, if you completed the survey for the two hundred or so people who did, they were then kicked over to a second survey that said, "Hey, can we get your email address completely disassociated from your answers, and uh, contact you next year?" And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll send you a gift card. Thank you for submitting our survey and filling that out. And so today, live on Adaptress Live, which is actually recorded in advance and isn't it live at all. Not live. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to do that drawing. Now, in the spirit of keeping this anonymous. And GDPR. I want to congratulate our lucky winners. Number 171. Whoa. Number 94. Whoa. And number 161. Congratulations. Congratulations to you three anonymous random people. I do have your email address, but didn't want to read it on air. So uh, we will uh, we'll send you a gift card. Thanks again for filling this out. We will be posting it. Uh, we want to make this an annual thing. Uh, we're thinking September. It will run for the month of September. So uh, while we're recording this in November of 2019, maybe you're listening to back episodes for some reason. And uh, you're wondering when the next survey will be. Look for it in September. We'll post it at the banner at the top of the documentation. We'll send out emails. And uh, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, it's both quantitative and qualitative. really helps us. We've already gotten some tremendous feedback this year that's helping us prioritize where we head next to documentation. 
Finally, Adaptivist has been doing some work on our website, and uh, we're very pleased to share our revamped case studies area, and we'll lead that off with a cracking new case study with retail giant John Lewis Partnership. We are really proud of the solutions our managed and professional services teams implemented for JLP, and we're also really thrilled with how the new site looks. Go over and check it out. You'll have that link from our SoundCloud. And uh, that's it for this edition of Adaptivist Live. So, thanks for listening. Get in touch with us on social at Adaptivist. For Matthew Stubblefield, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time. Man, they are on a roll. No, 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 they're not. Man...